0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning. It's uh, an absolute joy. Thank you for that wonderful welcome. Thank you. And uh, yes, my face probably does look like it was 10 years ago. His doesn't. Um, But it is a great joy to be with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of your journey again. And it's so wonderful to be in person, isn't it? Uh, My goodness. I'm enjoying that so much. Thank God for the technology and for Zoom and for the fact we were in some way able to connect together. But for me, there's just no substitute for being together. And it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, Thank you, Tim and Helen, for last night. They took me out to dinner and uh, had a wonderful, wonderful time uh, sharing with them. And it's just a joy to be with you. And it's my privilege this morning uh, to jump in on this fantastic series you're doing called Bold and Witness. Now, if you've missed any of that, It's all on the podcast. You can grab that and listen to that at your leisure. and spirit baptism when it comes to being bold in witness, okay? So so even if you're like me, you've been a Christian a million years uh, and, and you've experienced both of those things, I still want you to be open in your heart. Maybe you're a relatively new follower of Jesus, then this could be particularly helpful to you. But whoever we are, this should be a reminder of why these incredible things are so important to us. So if you've got a Bible and you want to follow a short reading with me, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts chapter 2. So uh, that's uh, into the New Testament, and we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and in the book of Acts, and it's Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 37 of this beautiful passage. Now, just to give you a wee bit of context, the, the first followers of Jesus have just been spirit baptized, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It creates an incredible moment of opportunity. Peter then stands up, one of the followers of Jesus, and preaches an amazing sermon. And as a result of that, there's an incredible response. And we're sort of getting to the end of that moment when we just read this together. But it'll be a great way to help us as we introduce this. So it's verse 37, and it says this. When all the people heard this, that's all the people listening to the sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, that's in water, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It's not a bad sermon response, is it? It's pretty good. <laughs> goes on to say this. They, that's these, community of believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. we notice a bit of a pattern when it comes to the activity of the church. And when it comes to inviting people to become followers of Jesus, there's a sort of a three-part package, forgive that language, but you'll see this pattern repeated over and over again. There's a sort of idea of repent. Now, don't be alarmed by that word. It sounds like a sort of a very old, brutal word, but repent in this context simply means to have a change of mind or a change of thinking, whether it's the person changing their thinking, or in fact, the Lord changing their thinking, there is a change of thinking towards Jesus. So, with they're called to repent, they're called to change their thinking, then they're asked to be baptized in water, and the general pattern of the book of Acts seems to be that that means they go down under the water, and then they come up again. And in fact, there's an image of baptism where to be baptized in water, you've got the sort of burial of the person, and then as they come up out of the water, you've got that resurrection to new life. We'll come back to that idea in a little minute. And then the third part of the package, forgive my language, is spirit baptism. Now, Dr. Luke's favorite phrase in the book of Acts is to be filled with the spirit but you've got phrases like gift of the Spirit in our passage and then also baptized in the Spirit. And the idea here is that the Holy Spirit comes on the followers of Jesus and gives them power to do everything that Jesus wants them to do. So, so we've got the three things. You've got repentance, change of mind. You've got water baptism, the idea that actually we are followers of Jesus here, death to life. And then you've got, Spirit baptism, the power to go. Now, these are not just really important elements of the one idea of being a follower of Jesus, but but there's also a really powerful sort of trajectory in those three things when they're put together. In theory, a person could repent and come to faith in a private sort of personal way, okay? So, So there's a sense in which, Uh, that repentance moment can feel very personal, very individual, and very almost inward looking, okay? But that's why then water baptism and spirit baptism are really important, because when you then add those two things into this salvation package here's what's happening John Andrews as an individual has a change of mind towards Jesus and I come to the understanding that Jesus Christ is a son of God and I decide I want to be a follower but if I'm going to take following Jesus seriously I've got to take water baptism seriously and I've got to take spirit baptism seriously and what water baptism and spirit baptism does is move me away from my private individual decision Towards a community expression in water baptism and then towards a faith world dynamic in terms of spirit baptism. So so I start off as an individual and the danger is then I sort of stay that, oh, I've made a a decision to follow Jesus privately. (laughs) Okay, and that can happen. And there's a hint that that happens to some people in the Gospels. They are Private followers of Jesus, and they don't come out as followers of Jesus because of fear of what the community will do. Now, what water baptism is, it brings us out. Okay? What spirit baptism does, it sends us out. Let me do that again, right? So I have my private decision here, and I could keep that private. I could keep that secret from everybody. I'm a follower of Jesus. But when I decide to get water baptized... I am literally coming out, I'm coming out to that community. And then when I am spirit baptized, then I am being sent out. Are you with me? So so the three things are not just important in terms of being a follower of Jesus, uh, that they're all important elements of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, but there's a big trajectory idea here, which I think sometimes we miss. Because here's what happens often in modern church. A person makes a decision to follow Jesus. They have a change of mind. And then generally, there's a big gap between them making that decision and getting baptized in water. And there's all sorts of reasons why we have that gap. Practical reasons, all sorts of reasons. And then depending which church you're a part of, there can be a big gap to the spirit baptism bit. In fact, in some churches, uh, there will be a very, 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 very long gap to that because they don't really believe that that spirit baptism, as it happens in the book of Acts, is relevant for the 21st century. Now, here's my problem, and here's my challenge to you as followers of Jesus. The bigger the gap between those three things, the more likely it is that your faith will settle into an individualism an inward-lookingism, which is not biblical. The idea of having private faith is not a biblical concept. All right? Now I need to say that to you. Feel free to argue with me, but I'll win. OK, so just, I'm just letting you know. OK. Um, now, now, in our highly individualized West, we're comfortable with the idea that my faith is private. And in fact, our society almost puts pressure on us to keep our faith private. But a biblical trajectory, and some of you are coming from cultures in the world where you'll get this culturally, not just biblically, a a biblical trajectory takes the individual into community and then with community to the world. That's the trajectory of a follower of Jesus. What Jesus doesn't want me to stay is, is an individual on my own. Me, myself, and I. Because then my faith... Now, hear me carefully. Don't hear what I'm not saying. My faith is then not really complete. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to heaven. It doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. But it means there is an incompleteness. Uh, my faith is not really coming to the proper maturity it should because the trajectory of true faith in Jesus always leads us from individual to community, community to world. That's the trajectory. That you cannot, once you read the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, we cannot escape that trajectory. That's why then water baptism is really important. That's why spirit baptism is really important. It's not just a sort of a religious tick in the box. Okay, done that, done that, done that no no it's much more than that there's something powerful going on in our understanding of this so in theory repentance is something that I can do privately and as an individual and personally however water baptism or baptism in water is an action listen to me carefully now stay with me stay with me I'm over here Water baptism is something done by the community, in the community, for the community. Okay? So outside of exceptional circumstances where we can't do that, and there may be exceptional circumstances like religious or political persecution, generally speaking, you'll see baptism here, it's a public demonstration and it's done by the community of believers. So it's another believer baptizing a believer... You don't baptize yourself in your bath. That's a serious point. I've had people comment me about this. I baptize myself in the bath. No, you didn't. Okay, so you just had a bath. All right, you just had a bath. So baptism, water baptism is another member of the faith community that I believe I'm a part of baptizes me, because that's really important. What's happening is the community are affirming my repentance. They're saying publicly, we agree with this. And we're saying publicly, we've done it. So what a baptism is, baptized by the community of faith. In a sense, I'm being baptized into the community of faith. It's like, I bought that badge this morning and I'm identifying with this idea. That's what baptism is. It's you are identifying now with the new community and then you are baptized For that community in other words you become a member of that community and baptism is a really cool sign that you've done that When it comes then to spirit baptism uh, The idea of being filled with the spirit. This is about going out with the community to the world Okay, so let me say before we get to the, the details. Let me say it once more Please forgive me for repeating this, but it's really important. My repentance is a private individual idea. That's wonderful. But the trajectory of the Bible is to move me from a private individual into a community of faith, that's water baptism, and then from and with the community of faith towards my world, that's why I need spirit baptism. You with me? Does that make sense to you? All right. Now, I know there are people in the room who've both been water baptized and spirit baptized. You go, John, we know this. But actually, I've come to the conclusion, I've met so many beautiful followers of Jesus who sort of just say... Repent, water baptism and spirit baptism is sort of ticks in the spiritual box. I've done that. But they don't realize why they're connected and they don't understand always the trajectory of that. So the Lord doesn't want us to be individuals with an inward-looking faith. He wants us to be individuals who are part of a community and then also moving out to our world. Okay, does that make sense to you? All right, so in putting... Water baptism and spirit baptism together. I'll just call it spirit baptism because it, it just makes it easier in terms of the language, being filled with the spirit, having this book of Acts experience with the spirit. In terms of putting water baptism and spirit baptism together, I want to give you sort of uh, three ideas that sit together. They, they sort of combine to help us, okay? So here's the first idea. When we put water baptism and spirit baptism together, coming out of this repentance and coming to faith, we get the idea firstly of die and live, die and live. Okay? So Paul writes to the church at Rome, a church like this, but based in Rome. And he's trying to explain to them the power of this trajectory of justification by faith. And in Romans chapter six, he does an amazing job in using the imagery of baptism as showing us that we are buried into Christ We are resurrected to new life. And then once resurrected to new life, we now have the choice to make our lives slaves of righteousness or slaves of unrighteousness. In other words, we now have the choice who we serve in that context. And if you read Romans chapter six, that's essentially what Paul is saying. So I'll make reference to Romans six when we think about water baptism. And Paul says these beautiful words in Romans chapter six, verse four. He says, we are therefore Buried with him through baptism into death. Okay, what on earth is that all about? Okay, buried with him in baptism into death. That's why we really believe that a New Testament pattern of baptism is not the sprinkling of water on a person, but the immersion of the person into the water. Because generally when we bury people, we put them into the ground and then, you know, Hopefully at the end when Jesus returns, they will be resurrected to eternal life. But we are burying them with the earth. So this is what Paul's referring to. We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death. So here's, here's what's happening. When I get baptized in water, if I understand it properly, but even if I don't understand it, this is what's happening. Okay. When I get baptized in water, I am saying to my friends, my family, and the world at large, I am no longer my own person. That's the power. That's why baptism and water is so powerful. We really get it. It's me saying, in a sense, I am dying to myself. Now, what do we mean by that? It means, one of the big ideas means this, that I am surrendering the autonomy of my life to Jesus. I'm going to allow Jesus to be the boss of my life. So no longer from this point am I going to have my identity centered in me, but I'm going to allow my identity to be centered in Jesus. That's why water baptism is so important. Because I am saying, John Andrews, at least in theory, is dead. And what I mean by that is, John Andrews' right to be his own boss is dead. Make sense to you? Maybe, maybe not, but, but think about this. So, though I the symbolism of baptism is I am dead to sin, it's synonymous, I am dead to self. So, I am surrendering the leadership of my life to Jesus. Now... That's trying to connect that to spirit baptism because we're trying to put the two together, right? So when we think of spirit baptism, what's happening? Well, we are being, as it were, not baptized in the water, but we're being immersed into the Holy Spirit as one of the images. So what's happening when that happens? Well, Jesus gives us a clue. In the book of Acts, Jesus says these words about the spirit baptism. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my Witnesses. Now, we often miss this in the rush to what, where we're being witnesses. But a really important point to pause on this is that one of the things that spirit baptism does is that it helps me relocate my identity away from me and into him. So if we are followers of Jesus, here's what's happening. We want to become witnesses of him. We want our lives to reflect him and show him in everything that we do. And Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to help us do that. So when I'm baptised in water, I'm saying to my world, saying to my world uh, that I am no longer alive in the sense that I'm no longer the boss of my life. And spirit baptism then takes that a step further and says, in fact, On top of that now, we are empowered to be His witnesses and allow our identity then to be completely rooted in Him. If I were were to summarize it, spirit baptism is when we are empowered to be. Empowered to be. So baptism in water, says, I'm letting go of who I am in preference to Jesus. And spirit baptism empowers me to be that new Jesus witness. Make sense? That's why they're really important together. And really, the book of Acts is trying to say to us, we can't pick and choose on this. If, If we want to enter into a fullness and completeness of an understanding of our faith, then this is the trajectory we need to think about as we go forward. So, through baptism I'm declaring death to my own selfish identity, and in spirit baptism, I'm receiving power that enables a whole new Jesus-centric identity. That's why they must be seen together. Because that trajectory will help us. Hope that makes sense to you. Here's the second big idea in putting the two things together. So we've got live and die. Here's the second idea. Follow and go. Follow and go. So back to Paul... In Romans chapter 6, thinking about water baptism, here's what Paul says, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness within that. So so here's what Paul's argument is. If you've died to self and if you've been resurrected to Jesus, baptism, then, then one of the outcomes of that is this idea that actually now you have become by choice a slave to righteousness. Now, don't be alarmed by the word slave there in that context. He's, he's talking there about, as it were, giving yourself away completely to, to righteousness and to truth. And so Paul says, because I've now died to myself, and because I'm resurrected in Jesus, I can now be legitimately a free slave. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but I'm making the decision to be a slave. and not enslaved. So we are enslaved to sin until Jesus breaks the chains, but enslavement to righteousness is a choice. And water baptism is part of that idea. So when I go through water baptism, I'm saying to my family and to my friends and to my world at large that actually not only have I died, but here's what I'm saying. I'm now making an intentional deliberate and consistent decision to actually follow Jesus. I am a slave to righteousness. Synonymously, I am a slave to Jesus. So here's what I'm saying. Wherever Jesus is going, I am going. Whatever Jesus wants, I am giving to him. Whatever Jesus desires from me, I'm going to give it to Jesus. Whatever that is, whatever that means for me, and you as an individual, and it'll mean different things for different people in the room, but I'm making a decision as I come up out of the waters of baptism, I am saying, now I am following him. Wherever he goes, I'm going. Literally, metaphorically, experientially, relationally, following him. So, water baptism is a really important decision because it affirms our followership of Jesus. But when we then link that to the idea of spirit baptism, we've got this, this beautiful sort of link where Jesus, back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says, You'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses, where? He says, In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, Water baptism says, I'm following Jesus. Spirit baptism says, I will go where he empowers me. So, so the trajectory of following Jesus really demands personal submission in terms of how I live my life. But when the Spirit comes, the Spirit wants to empower me to go where God wants me to go. So water baptism says I'm following. Spirit baptism opens up my heart and life to the prospect that I now have the power to go wherever Jesus wants me to go. So the Spirit empowers me to be witnesses. The Spirit now empowers me to go wherever Jesus wants me to go. So when I get baptized in water, I'm saying I'm following. When I get Spirit baptized, I have the power to go. With me? So those two ideas together are really, really dynamic, and again, they push that trajectory. That that as an individual, I'm now called to follow Jesus in a Jesus-following community, and then with that Jesus-following community, empowered by the Spirit, we are going together into the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful idea. So through baptism, I'm declaring, I'm following, and through Spirit baptism, I am going. With me? Okay. Here's the third idea, and then I'll I'll sort of bring it all together. So uh, the idea of of, uh, die and live is is right at the beginning of that. The idea of follow and go, and then the third idea is receive and give. Receive and give. So back to Paul. Paul says these amazing words right at the end of chapter 6. Let me read them to you verses 22 to 23, he says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. He was on to say this, for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I was raised in a Christian church where we often only quoted verse 23 without quoting verse 22. And if you quote 22 and then 23, it completely changes what Paul is supposed to have said. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying to these believers that the gift of eternal life you've received is a gift. You didn't earn it you didn't work for it. In fact, the thing you earn and work for is, is sin. The wages of sin, you, you know, we deserve those wages because we've, we've done those. But he says when it comes to the gift of God, when it comes to eternal life, that's a grace gift. That's something that comes to you freely and generously out of the grace and heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now, as I understand water baptism, I've come up, out, out into resurrected life and that life I now get the chance to live is 100% because of his grace. So this amazing gift of eternal life I have, however we understand that, this amazing gift is nothing to do with how hard I've worked. It's nothing to do with how brilliant we are. It's nothing to do with our own righteousness. It is 100% a gift. And water baptism affirms that. Water baptism says, dead people don't resurrect themselves. (laughs) Dead people get resurrected. Come on. So when I come up out of the waters of baptism, I'm saying that I'm alive, not because of my ability or because of my personality type. I am alive because Jesus has made me alive. I'm alive because the grace of God has come to me and I've received this amazing gift. So what water baptism says is, all that I have in terms of this wonderful new life has been given to me. 100% 100% by the grace of God. Nothing I could have done, nothing I currently can do and nothing I will do can get me resurrection life. That resurrection life has been gifted to me through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Makes sense? But of course, if in water baptism we understand that we've received something, in spirit baptism we're called to give something. And Peter, the man who's preached this sermon in chapter two, if you follow the story into chapter three, him and John meet a guy who is, is, is sort of begging uh, at a gate in the temple because the man has a disability. And he reaches out to Peter and he says, can I have some alms? Can you, can you help me? And Peter says these words to the man, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Walk. Now remember, Peter and the other disciples have just experienced the spirit baptism. Part of the spirit baptism is that the same spirit that anointed Jesus in Luke chapter 4 is now the spirit that has anointed them. And the same spirit that anointed Jesus to bring God's favor to the broken has now anointed them to bring God's favor to the broken. So the pattern they've seen in Jesus, anointed to give, anointed to give, anointed to give, Now it becomes their pattern, anointed to give. And Peter says, I've received something from the Holy Spirit. Now I give that to you. That's an echo of the words of Jesus in the Gospels where he says to his disciples, freely you have received, freely give. So here, the Spirit empowers me to give. He empowers me to be. He empowers me to go. Now he empowers me to give. And this this is so, so powerful in my experience, because if I stay here in repentance, the danger is it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I need. It's all about my desires. And of course, there's nothing wrong with having our needs and our desires ministered to, but what Jesus wants to do, he wants to move us by water baptism and the symbolism and understanding that into a community where we have some responsibilities in terms of togetherness and commitment, and then he wants to move that community, us, into a world that is desperately in need. We've just been praying for, for mental health day. We have, we have a world in desperate need, and, and some of the needs of our world can't be fixed with money. They can't be fixed with, with good programs. The, some of those needs will only be fixed By a supernatural community bringing a supernatural answer by the power of a supernatural spirit. Okay? Now, I can't do that on my own standing here. So so then, spirit baptism is a recognition, I need the Holy Spirit if I'm going to sort of give this stuff away. Are you with me? So through water baptism, I'm declaring... When I go down and up out of the water, I have been freely blessed with this gift. I have received an amazing gift of life that I couldn't have earned. As I move into spirit baptism, I am receiving power that enables me to give that gift. And So Jesus, the Bible, celebrates your individuality like no other book on earth. That's my personal opinion. Your individuality is celebrated, but your individualism is resisted. As an individual, you are special, unique, and gloriously made in the image of God, however we understand that, okay? But individualism says, well, individuality says I'm special, individualism says I'm enough. The idea of enough on your own is not a biblical idea. And as if to reinforce that into a theological understanding for us as the church, water baptism and spirit baptism are all about pulling me away from me. And pulling me towards a community of faith. And then with that community of faith towards a dying world. Amen. And that's why we need to be baptized in water. Amen. Yes. That's why we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not just because there's sort of spiritual boxes to be ticked, or I've done that, but actually because they are essentially important in growing me up. Without those things, I remain alone. Without those things, I have a self-centered spirituality. But with those things, I am being emboldened in my witness. Because to be baptized in water, I've got to come out. I've got to say to my family, say to my friends, and say to the world, ta-da, I am a follower of Jesus. And then I recognize, oh my goodness, I'm not just a follower of Jesus to be blessed. I'm now a follower of Jesus to be a blessing. Yes. There's a world of people that need Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us take Jesus to our world. So with spirit baptism, water baptism, put them together, we get three dynamic combos. We get an understanding in water baptism and spirit baptism that we die and then we live. That actually we follow and then we go and we receive and then we give. And even if you've been experienced both those things, I I, I want you to have a heart that's open to understand them afresh. They're they're not brownie points. You know, they're not badges. They're essential elements to help us as a Christian community be bold in our witness. I'm gonna ask the, you guys wanna join me? They're gonna lead us in a a lovely time of worship and and ministry. And I just wanna pray for you before we enter into that time of worship and ministry. I would love to pray for you. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've made that private decision to follow Jesus, you've had a change of mind, I really want to urge you, get baptized in water. In front of everybody. However we do it here in Wellspring, I don't know how you do it, but do it in front of everybody. In front of your friends, in front of your family, in front of your world, because there's something powerful about declaring, I am a follower of Jesus. If you've already been baptized in water and perhaps you've been hesitant about being filled with the Spirit, I urge you to be open to that. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is here to not only form Jesus in us, but to empower us to share Jesus with our world. He's yeah. not here to hurt us. He's not here to embarrass us. He's not here to make fools out of us. He's here to empower us to be a Jesus-centric community that goes to our world with a Jesus-centric hope. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me if you can? If you can't stand, please remain seated. Peter said, repent and be baptized. And then he went on to say, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, this young burgeoning church understood the power of those three things and in virtually no time at all within four decades this small group of believers had touched the very heart of the greatest empire in the world and I believe it was because they understood the trajectory of these amazing ideas die and live follow and go receive and give Lord Jesus we thank you for your example in going into the waters of baptism and receiving the power of the Spirit as a model as an encouragement as a sign to us all Lord we thank you That as, as we trust in you, so we can follow you. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. I ask, oh Lord, that for those of us who have experienced both of these things, water, baptism and spirit, that Lord, we will have a fresh understanding, enthusiasm and passion about what we have received and what we have done. But Lord, I pray for any of my brothers and sisters here, that Lord Jesus, for those maybe thinking about water baptism, Lord, I pray that you will give them the courage to step forward even today and say, I will follow him. And Lord, maybe for some of us in the room who have been unaware or even nervous about spirit baptism, that we would open up our hearts and we would say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me so that I can go, so that I can give so that I can live. And so, Lord, I pray that as we share together, as we pray together, that your presence, your power, and your truth will be formed in each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.